Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we explore the genre-defying, Emmy Award-winning string trio called Time for Three. Time for Three will kick off the 2018-19 concert season at Armstrong Auditorium, Thursday, October 18th. Today, we will sample the discography of this captivating trio, plus we have an exclusive interview with one of its members, bassist Renan Meyer, as he introduces us to the group and its program at Armstrong. So stick around as we spotlight Time for Three, Today on Music for Life. The Armstrong International Cultural Foundation is excited to launch its 20th concert season this year. This season, the 2018-19 season, also marks our ninth in Armstrong Auditorium. The season begins on Thursday, October 18th with the string trio Time for Three. This trio is composed of violinist and founding member Nick Kendall, violinist Charles Yang, and double bassist and founding member Renan Meyer. All three were classically trained, but their ensemble defies all genre classifications as they play every style imaginable, sometimes merging selections from different styles to make completely unique mashups. In fact, the group refers to itself as a classically trained garage band. They have given world premieres of works by Pulitzer Prize-winning composers and have even won an Emmy for their televised premiere on PBS. Before we talk about each of its three members, I'd like to jump right into a couple of defining examples of the group's output. This is from their album, We Just Burned This For You, which was recorded live, and this track is called The Bach Double. It's referring to the concerto for two violins by J.S. Bach, nicknamed The Bach Double in string circles. So this is their unique take on that classic work. Thank you. 
That was Time for Three from their live 2006 album, We Just Burned This For You. That was their rendition of the Bach Concerto for Two Violins, a.k.a. the Bach Double, which is what they called that track. The very next track on that album is a great example of the mashups the group can do, where it will fuse other songs or themes into a standard classical work. This is the well-known Hungarian Dance Number no. 5 by Johannes Brahms, but later in the piece, see if you catch them peppering in tunes from a famous Broadway musical. <laughs> Thank you. 
We just heard Time for Three's take on Brahms's famous Hungarian dance number five from their live 2006 album, We Just Burned This For You, where they took that tune and layered themes from a completely different time period, themes from a Broadway musical, which you probably recognized, Fiddler on the Roof. Now let's talk briefly about each member of this trio. Founding member Nick Kendall picked up his first violin at the age of three. With an insatiable appetite for a diversity of expression, he went to the streets of Washington, D.C. as a teenager to play trash cans for lunch money. By college, he was forming pickup rock bands at the predominantly classical Curtis Institute, between concert debuts at the most prestigious halls in the world. Nick is one of our generation's most persuasive champions of bringing new audiences to concert halls across America. His work is based on the simple idea that the energy you exude greatly impacts the relationships that you build. Trained in the Suzuki method, which his grandfather, John Kendall, brought to America in the 1960s, Nick continues the teaching tradition. And as a caretaker of his craft, he is passing on the vitality of classical music to a new generation. This track from Time for Three's 2009 album, Three Fervent Travelers, features Nick in a composition of his own. This is Quail Hollow. We just heard violinist Nick Kendall in his own composition, Quail Hollow, from Time for Three's 2009 album, Three Fervent Travelers. Nick is a violinist and founding member of the trio. The other violinist in the group is Charles Yang, who joined the trio in 2016. Described by the Boston Globe as one who plays classical violin with the charisma of a rock star... This Juilliard graduate began his violin studies with his mother in Austin, Texas, and later went on to study with world-renowned teachers. He has performed as a soloist with orchestras and in recitals in the United States, Europe, Brazil, Russia, China, and Taiwan, and is the recipient of numerous awards and honors. One of those honors, and if you live in Austin, you may already know this, June 9th is Charles Yang Day, 
proclaimed as such by the mayor of Austin in 2005. Not only confined to classical violin, Mr. Yang's improvisational crossover abilities as a violinist, electric violinist, and vocalist have led him to be featured in performances with a variety of artists at a variety of venues and festivals, performing in the presence of two former U.S. presidents as well as the Queen of Denmark. Regarding Mr. Yang, the Texas Observer has noted, Mr. Yang is a true crossover artist, a pioneer who can hop between classical and popular music and bring fresh ideas to fans of both genres rather than maintaining an insular focus and simply assuming that an audience for classical music will always exist. He wants to actively create that audience to persuade and seduce others into enjoying a type of music as passionately as he does. That's a quote from the Texas Observer. Let's pause to hear another track from this trio. We've heard their take on a famous classical piece, plus a mashup of another classical work, infusing it with themes from a Broadway musical. Let's hear their rendition of a folkier piece. This is the beloved Ashokan Farewell by Jay Unger, made famous in Ken Burns' 1990 PBS miniseries about the Civil War. This is also from Time for Three's 2006 album, We Just Burned This For You.
That was Jay Unger's famous Ashokan Farewell in an arrangement by Time for Three, a group we are exploring today in the lead-up to its October 18th season-opening performance at Armstrong Auditorium. We're in the midst of our discussion of each of the three members of this group, but while we're on the folkier side of the group's output, I want to play another example from the album we just heard that fits into this mold, and it's a little peppier. This is a medley of Bill Monroe's Jerusalem's Ridge and the traditional tune Ragtime Annie. Thank you. 
Jerusalem's Ridge and Ragtime Annie, an arrangement and performance by Time for Three, as we discuss this genre-defying ensemble today on Music for Life, in the lead-up to their October 18th season-opening performance at Armstrong. Again, we've been discussing each of the three members of the group. We've talked about violinist and founding member Nick Kendall. We just talked about the newest member of the trio, violinist Charles Yang. Now we talk about the double bassist in the group, Renan Meyer. In addition to being the double bass player for Time for Three, as well as a talented composer, Meyer is also actively involved in education programs across the country and is frequently called upon to solo with orchestras. As a composer and performer, Meyer has a rare versatility, and in addition to his classical work, he is an accomplished jazz musician who has performed with the likes of Branford Marsalis, Jane Monheit, and many more. When we interview him, I'll let him talk more about his early music background, but in 2003, he graduated from the acclaimed Curtis Institute of Music, where Time for Three was born. Renan also performs regularly with his mother, Norma Meyer, who is a pianist. Let's hear another example from Time for Three, and this one is a composition by Renan. In fact, for the group's 2009 album, Three Fervent Travelers, the majority of the tracks were composed by Renan. Let's hear the second track from that album, titled Forget About It. listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we are exploring the genre-defying Emmy Award-winning string trio called Time for Three. Time for Three will kick off the 2018-19 concert season at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, October 18th. 
We are sampling the group's discography to get a sense of their work. Plus, in a moment, we have an exclusive interview with one of its members. We just heard a composition by Renan Meyer, a founding member of the trio and the bassist in the group. I was able to talk with Renan Meyer over the phone. Let's listen to that interview now. My name's Renan Meyer, and I play the bass in Time for Three and also sing background vocals and um, founding member of the group. Founding member of the group, that's great. And I'd like to talk to you first about your musical background. How did you get into music, into the bass? My musical background is pretty much that I come from a musical family, a singer and a pianist, my mom being the pianist. And I started on the piano when I was four years old, switched to the cello when I was nine, and then took to the bass when I was 11 and really fell in love with it uh, when I was 15 years old through the language of jazz. When a jazz pianist asked me to join his trio, and I thought it was probably the most amazing thing that I had ever experienced up until that point in my life. Uh, And then that took me to really wanting to understand classical music better and practicing, you know, um, smart on that, and then finding my way into going to school for the double bass at Manhattan School of Music, where I majored in classical, but I played just about every genre I could get my hands on. And then three years later, I uh, was able to get to the Curtis Institute of Music, which is primarily classical music school. It is a classical music conservatory. I was geared towards really learning orchestral bass, but um, I met up with two other like-minded guys that played all these other genres of music, and that's how Time for Three was formed. So you had all this classical background, but you're obviously playing an instrument that's quite versatile, and, and is it pretty common for bassists to play a wide variety of musical genre? Yeah, the double bass has become a function now in, in almost any style of music you can find it but there's also even the reinvention and reimagination of, of, of genres as we know it um, which is you know what time for three kind of specializes in with that reimagining there's all sorts of things the instrument can do now you know from playing it with your fingers which is called pizzicato or playing it with your bow which is you know called arco you know even using the bass as a drum at times like experiencing like the different types of sounds that the body of the instrument can can get you along with like slapping the strings uh, even electric bass techniques that take place on the upright the sky's really the limit it's just more about like how you imagine the instrument Basically, you're saying that your instrument in particular, you're able to do all sorts of different things with it, from bowing to plucking to even using it as a drum. And you're obviously using all those vocabulary words in what you're doing in your ensemble. Oh, yeah. You know, when you have two violins and a bass and then three voices, um, you got to get real creative. Yeah. To connect with the world, you know, like with your with your arrangements. So it's like we're constantly trying to solve a, a bit of a puzzle. Like we just went into the recording studio in, in July that had us layering our voices, layering our instruments. We came out with incredible results. But then, you know, how do we create that live? We can either do that completely acoustic or add like, you know, some electronic enhancements. And at this point, we haven't added any anything. There have, there have been no enhancements except for the fact that we're using our like our creativity to come up with you know what it actually sounds like. You're obviously mic'd in recordings and in concerts, but you're using the instruments acoustically purely still. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the difference is like an electric instrument or like loop pedals or, or like pre-recorded sounds, things like that, you know, computerized digital stuff. We're, we're, we're not doing any of that stuff yet. Whether we're we're mics so you can hear us more clearly um, is is just a differential of just being like without a mic or without like any enhancement. Great. Talk about the other two members of the group. There's a uh, Nick Kendall and Charles Yang. Yeah, yeah. And what's uh, some of their background? Maybe you could speak for them. Absolutely, Nick and Charles. First of all, they're they're just great guys. Um, we're just we're brothers, you know. We're road brothers, if you will. You know, like we're. We're on the road a lot. We're creating music a lot. The romance of it is the music that we make. But right. there, you know, you got to get that music out there. And, you know, the the vision of that comes from us um, because it's, it's our it's our art, you know. So with that, we spend a lot of time together. Charles is the newest member of the group. Charles' background is, the way he puts it, is he was forced to play violin by his mom. 
and he always references culture and how it was like just part of his, his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't really have a choice when it came to the violin, <laughs> but he's so grateful that, you know, it was put in his hands and he was made to practice. Right. Um, and he found himself showing up to when he was a teenager and he was this classical violinist and, you know, he was like playing concertos and doing this and that. And then this rock band asked him to join the group. And he showed up and there wasn't any music. And Charles was like, where's the music? I need the music. And it was really like just getting thrown into the fire. Here, you know, try it. Right. That's how he came to like improvising and just sort of like the do-it-yourself model of, you know, learning to play the instrument, you know, in addition to the classical genre. Yeah. With Nick, he started when he was three and a half and he started through studying the Suzuki movement. His grandfather was responsible for bringing the Suzuki movement to the USA, North America. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And Nick always had the spirit of just like wanting to try things his entire life. And, you know, he was always open to kind of just using the intuition, the combination of the intuition and the technique and how they all kind of like combined, you know, this like the message of freedom comes from discipline. And, and Nick's really been all about that. And how did you and Nick meet? So we both went to school with of Music, and while we were there, uh, Nick heard that I played, like, jazz bass, and then he said, you know, we should get together to jam. So he came to my apartment, and we just, like, jammed for 30 minutes, and we were laughing because it was, <laughs> it was such incredible synergy. Yeah. So, um, that yeah, that was pretty much how, just being at school. And then that was the case for the third original founding member of Time for Three. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, it, it was Nick and I at, at the start of that, and then Nick had played with with Zach, you know, like an orchestra, but also, you know, just like for other pickup work and things like that around town because, like, they both could fiddle. It was initially, it was Zach and his other brother, Jason, who's a violinist in the Philadelphia Orchestra, and even this cellist, who's a principal of the Seattle Symphony. And the five of us would get together and just jam. And somehow there became a gig opportunity, and I think just based on who was available with Zach, Nick, and I, and we got this first gig, so we put together a little show, and the audience loved it, and, and that's sort of what birthed the group. So Time for Three was born out of this group that was playing together at Curtis, but only three of them could show up. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. And then Zach moved on, and, and uh, Charles came into the picture? Yeah, it was, you know, we first came and had a, a second guy, his name is Nicky Chewy, who joined the group for about eight, nine months. And then, you know, he got offered a position being concertmaster in the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. And he said, he, you know, he really needed to, like, try that on for size. So we immediately needed, like, another film player. And we had checked Charles out online, like, over the last year. And we were really enamored, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just one of these things where he was, it was just like a perfect fit, you know. We called right up. Nick had his number. And we asked if we can come over and jam. And, you know, after about two days of jamming, we knew that we wanted to spend a lot of time together <laughs> making music. Cool. So how long has this configuration of Time for Three been performing together? I believe that it was June of 2016. Okay. So this is pretty recent then, this this particular configuration. Yeah. It felt it, like with snap of a finger, we fell right into our synergy with each other. Cool. Well, what are some of the highlights and honors that you've had as a group, even even before this new configuration? Just say through your your storied past. You know, what what are some of the great things that have um, that you've achieved? We've won an Emmy for a PBS special, mm-hmm. which you know that was kind of cool. It's funny, you know, like as a musician, you always strive for that Grammy. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, well, over the years, we played um, national anthems for the Indy Five Hundred played for Colin Powell. Oh, we had a really great, wonderful connection with Paul Newman, who was just a wonderful person in our lives mm. that loved and supported us and kind of helped us with our careers a bit. A lot of actors and actresses, now I'm jogging my memory, Glenn Close, we worked with the likes of uh, Joshua Bell and Renee Fleming and some Marcellus. Yeah, we, we just got off the tour a couple of years ago with Shaka Khan and Natasha Bedingfield. Hmm. 
Tiger Three can play like in the classical arenas, but then we can go ahead and like you know play in the commercial world and do that thing too. So it's been a cool ride. And Armstrong Auditorium is it's more of a, a classical series, and so certainly um, you you guys pretty much fit in wherever you go. Talk about the originals and mashups program coming to Armstrong. Yeah, as of about three weeks ago, we put together a show that is about the, the triumphs and challenges of of a journey of love. Okay. Um, and I'll, we always make this joke because it's like, you know, surprise, surprise, we're musicians writing about love. Like, that's, that's <laughs> so original. You know, that's never been done before. But, um, you know, we're doing it in our own way. And the songs, because we're singing a lot of the songs um, and the instrumentals, go together based on a storyline that okay. is about almost, you know, any dramatization of love you ever see, whether the story changes or not. It's, it's about that person that you meet that you're enamored with and then it finds its way into vulnerability and even uh, uh, departing from that person. Um, and then kind of the triumph of, of getting back with that person or whatever journey that may be and then having just an abundance of joy when it's all said and done. Um, so we have about eight singing songs that tell that story. So like in the classical arena, you would call that the libretto. Sure. Um, in the pop world, you'd call it song, lyrics. Right. You know, same, same idea, uh, different semantics. And, you know, that's the storyline. So you'll hear that. The listener will hear that as we sing and we tell that story. But then the instrumentals, the mashups or the arrangements that we do are also impactful and they're strategically placed to support the identity of what we're trying to dramatize um, in, in our music. Um, so that's pretty much what the show will be. Um, you know, the mashups go along with it as we do Chacon by Bach, mm-hmm. E minor Chacon, which is arguably one of the most crucial violin pieces to ever be written. Ever. Absolutely. And <laughs> melded with Bonnie Vare, the indie rock band that has done such incredible musical things. This song called Calgary, which, believe it or not, is so similar to the sound of the Chacon. Um, and so that's one of the things that we do. And then we have an original uh, that I wrote called Banjo Love, which is a celebration of the banjo and loving an instrument. And to see how that fits into the storyline. Yeah. And I then love that piece. Later by on the way. in the show, we'll, we'll play Sweet Child of Mine, mashed up with Mahler's first third symphony mm. and his Kindertonglier first poem. Wow. And, you know, it's heavy stuff because, you know, Sweet Child of Mine is all about, you know, having a kid. And the Mahler aspect is the loss right. of a kid. You know, so it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, major extremes there and, you know, paint stuff, but like somehow an artist was able to write music about it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of just some of the things that we'll be playing. And what excites you as a performer or as the bass player? What, what are you most excited about doing in this particular performance? Well, I always get a bass solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I have a lot of fun with that because it's always different. It's fun to take planned music and combine it with completely unplanned music yeah. uh, and kind of keeps everything fresh and it fires parts of the brain that are uh, stimulating to each thing that I'm doing, right? So like if I, if I play one song, we have like a, like almost like 95% of the notes are, are in order and I'm supposed to do it a certain way. That's one side of the brain. But then when I go ahead and do something that's completely free, I'm using another element. So I love how like the, I, I love the brain power of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Renan. This has been great getting getting this uh, this look into well your background and 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 of course the program coming to Armstrong. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pumped to have done this. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, thanks for all the great questions. And I'm, I'm looking forward to. I know we're all looking forward to making some music out there.
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we have explored the genre-defying Emmy Award-winning string trio called Time for Three. Time for Three kicks off the 2018-19 concert season at Armstrong Auditorium, Thursday, October 18th. More information about this and all events at Armstrong can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can also follow Armstrong, as well as this program, on social media. Our podcast's handle is Music for Life PCG. Today we have been sampling this captivating trio's discography to get a sense of their output. We also just heard an exclusive interview with one of its founding members, bassist Renan Meyer. And as we closed out that interview, we heard another one of his compositions, Philly Funk, funk spelled with a P-H, and that featured the bass a fair bit. To close today's program, let's hear one more example from this group. As stated earlier, this classically trained garage band is well known for its covers of pop songs. So let's hear one of those. This is their rendition of a Coldplay song called UFO from the trio's 2002 self-titled album. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong. You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.